Rusty Quill presents. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are more than just a map of our memories, we are ourselves even when we don't know it even when the last pieces are gone. Still, we remain. Welcome back to Spirit Box Radio. Hello, faithful listeners. I hope you've all had a pretty good week. Before we crack on, I did speak to Oliver about what happened last week, and it's all fine, and I won't be saying anything more about it, so please stop asking. I don't know how I always seem to get into this stuff on air. I don't think Oliver likes it, though he's never said directly and... I'm doing it again. Sorry, sorry. I have an augury forecast for you this week. This one is pretty unusual, because it arrived in a letter through the postbox, marked with a stamp and everything. Of course, the postbox is attached to what's left of the house... And that in itself is a little unusual. And I suppose it's also unusual. It just so happened that it was earlier this evening that I thought I'd go up there just to have a look at the wreckage again. And it was right there. It had to have arrived this afternoon because there's no roof whatsoever left over that part of the house. And it was raining all day until about one. So it's pretty new. Inside, on a small blue piece of paper written in blue biro, was the dates of this week. And then the forecast I will share with you now. Beware skincare advice from the woman with the red smile. She is not what she seems. If your name contains an L, it is a prudent time to invest in new shoes. As the crow flies, it is not far to reach the things you seek, but you cannot fly so there may be obstacles you find which you do not expect. The ducks in Fog Lane Park are turning in slow circles. It is not a good time to make a leap of faith. 
Look to the stars. You may not find answers, but it will give you pause to think. And so concludes the augury forecast. Pretty ponderous, this one. Okay, so we've received a few letters over the past few weeks that I haven't really had much chance to address because there's just been so much going on. So I thought we'd take a crack at them together, faithful listeners. The first one is from Bernie in London. Dear Sam, I've met the most incredible woman. The problem is she's entirely out of my league. It it was a chance encounter at the London bookshop where I work, and I'd seen her around, but I tried my absolute best to keep it cool, though I'm not sure I managed it. I felt like an idiot afterwards because she just left without comment, and I realised there was very little chance of my ever running into her again after that, and... I'd wasted the whole conversation trying to seem nonchalant and didn't make it known that I thought it to be anything other than just another customer. I got home and stewed over it for hours and hours, feeling a right fool. My useless housemate was absolutely no help, except that he suggested I check the Spirit Box radio forums and he said he was pretty sure he'd seen something posted there about attraction spells. I'd heard him piddling about with weird arcane affirmations before and more than once walked in on him chalking pentacles into our kitchen floor, but his arcane practice seems mostly focused on trying to win the lottery, an endeavour which has yet to lend him any success, much to my chagrin as he's several weeks behind on rent. Despite my misgivings, I did decide to check out the forums as he suggested and found the attraction spell he was talking about. It turned out not to be of any use to me because I don't know her or where she lives, so I couldn't put the drawn symbol near the place where she sleeps as suggested. Instead, I started to look into sigils, which seemed to be a topic of rife discussions on your forums. I have to say, it was all extremely fascinating. My housemate helped me draw up a witch's circle to make my own sigil, and I spent some time trying out a few different designs. I finally landed on one which seemed pretty enough for the task at hand, finalised it whilst chanting my words of intention aloud as was advised, and burned the sigil to focus the energy as instructed. Well, I have to say, it's been remarkably successful. I bumped into the object of my affections the very next day, though I did immediately pour coffee down her front, which was not a part of my intention whatsoever. Fortunately, though, we were right next to my house when it happened, so I suggested she come inside to clean up. She did, and I made some rather embarrassing attempts to offer her snacks and beverages, all which she rebuffed. I thought it was going quite terribly, but then, as I was unlatching the door to send her on her way, quite out of nowhere, she kissed me. It was delightful. She left, and I was left practically floating. She actually gave me her number, too. I, I can't quite believe it. I- of course, I'm thrilled, but I'm also worried. I don't want her to be interested in me only because of this sigil. How can I be sure her attraction to me is genuine and not solely because of the magic I use? Sincerely, Bernie. Well, Bernie, I'm glad your sigil was a success. It's actually quite a pertinent time for you to have sent this letter, because... Well, I'm having to wrestle with concepts such as this in my own life at the moment, as regular listeners to the show will know. Our situations are quite different, but I think it may be helpful for me to share just a little bit about this. Basically, you have to trust that you can speak to one another about this. You need to find a way to talk about it, to communicate. Like everything, the best thing you can do is communicate about it. And if you can't do that, well... You can always make another sigil that overwrites the first one and work on from there. Hope that helps, Bernie. Right, okay then. This one comes from Chloe in Cambridgeshire. Dear Mr Enfield, The last few times I've tuned into Spirit Box Radio, I've gotten really clear communications, but they don't seem to make any sense in relation to the questions I've been asking. 
I'm pretty sure there's a ghost living in my airing cupboard, see, and I've been trying to communicate with it. I've tried everything standard seance-wise, and I thought I'd try using Spirit Box Radio to see if it puts out anything interesting. I was mostly going for introductory-type questions like, who are you, what do you want, that sort of thing. But what I got from Spirit Box Radio was the extremely confusing spaghetti, and then I'm pretty sure it said apple tater, which, you know, not really very coherent as an answer for who are you. I wonder if you might be able to shed some light on this? I did post about it on the forums, but there's been a lot going on over there, so I thought I'd have a better chance of you seeing this if I sent it to your PO box. All the best, Chloe from Cambridgeshire. (laughs) Well, Chloe, I'm sorry it's taken me so long to get back to you and that I missed your post on the forums. I'm afraid things there are so lively nowadays that I rely on the updates page to keep me informed, and I don't always look through the new threads which have appeared. I'm also sorry you're having trouble with the spirit book services. It's an ongoing issue that it's unusually responsive, and I'm not sure what to suggest in order to fix it, as I still don't really understand how the forums work, and from what show caller Emily and regular caller Beth told me, it feels pretty unlikely that I ever will. That's the arcane, isn't it? What I will say is that it's probably a good shout to return to other methods of seance or communications with your airing cupboard ghost, Chloe. Instead of starting with questions like, who are you, you could try a different tack. It's possible a ghost won't remember who it is or really have any idea what it's doing hanging around in your airing cupboard, so maybe try some nice party icebreakers. You could also try leaving it something interesting. I've heard good things about hanging some wind chimes or bells on strings where you've felt the arcane presence most strongly. This might be easier for the ghost to use to get your attention, and it can also be a nice little bit of decoration just for them, which may help them feel a little bit better about the whole being dead situation. Just try to be a welcoming presence and see where that gets you. If you notice there are bad vibes, however, there are some excellent threads on the forums outlining what to do. And if all else fails, Stickler and Stickler are always available to help with any evolutionary services you may require. I do hope you get a coherent response of some kind, Chloe. Best of luck. Alrighty, the next letter I have here isn't signed off with a name and it's pretty lengthy, but it's also very interesting. So I'll just dive right in. To the occultist known as Sam. You should know, first and foremost, that I do not listen to your show, nor do I take stock in the devilry that you peddle. However, I have been reliably informed that your show is the best place to receive advice regarding the occult and paranormal, and it is such advice that I am in desperate need of. I volunteer at a soup kitchen on weekends and most evenings, funded by my local parish. I'm not much of a chef, but I am in charge of our food bank, and I pride myself on sourcing fresh ingredients for our patrons. It's an unofficial position, but one I work hard to maintain. However, recently, the church has been taken over, for want of a better word. A new group have come in all at once, and while they're quite lovely, they're pushy. They have a way of doing things that steamrolls over what has been done before. Of course, it is not my place to openly argue against such things, and I didn't mind until they took over the soup kitchen too. They told me they had their own ways of sourcing fresh ingredients, which is ridiculous because I'm the one that sources the ingredients, I'm the one who brokered the relationships with the restaurants and independent greengrocers, and most importantly, I'm the one that oversees the making of the soup. They pushed me out. They said that Bob would take over. He used to be a chef, and wouldn't I prefer an administrative role instead? They asked if I wanted to talk about it over tea and biscuits. I said no. The soup kitchen has been a cornerstone of our community for years and it has helped many people back onto their feet when they've been in unfortunate circumstances. 
saying that, we do have a few regulars who can't seem to shake off said circumstances, through no fault of their own, of course. And over the years, I have grown to know some of them quite well. So when Jones, a veteran with missing fingers and an unfortunate addiction, which I will not name here, didn't come in at his usual time, I feared the worst. When I raised this to the new group, they feigned concern, helped me make and distribute missing posters, told me gently that he would be back before I knew it. As though he were a lost pet. They were friendly enough to my face, of course, but I'm old enough to know when someone is trying to fob me off, especially with the younger folk. They invited me to a coffee evening to take my mind off it. I declined. The poster stayed up, at least, but to this day there has been no sign of Jones. More of my regulars started to go missing. The group helped me make posters for them as well, and gently told me that I was doing a good job in making sure these people wouldn't be forgotten. Forgotten? As though they already knew that my poor old regulars were gone for good. Homelessness is an awful, awful thing to happen to a person, and it is certainly true that many unfortunate individuals do not make it through that particular chapter of their lives. But the way the group talked about my regulars, it made me shudder. I kept asking about the soup. It gave me a bowl to try, and as delicious as it smelled, I couldn't bring myself to eat it. I did, however, notice that it was broth, and animal broth at that. When I was in charge of the soup kitchen, I made certain that the soup was vegan. You do not know what a person's circumstances or beliefs are, after all, and a vegan soup is the best way to address this. Everyone can eat a vegan soup, certain allergies aside, and I was sure to always cater to those as well. When I raised these concerns to the group, I was added to a WhatsApp and mailed several articles about the nutritional benefits of bone broth, accompanied by the most irritating of emoticons. At the time, I was certain they were taking the bones from the local butchers and abattoirs, the ones they wouldn't even give to dogs. To say I was furious would be an understatement. The group assured me that they would take my thoughts into consideration and let me know that they did a tea and biscuit break at midday and I was always welcome at their table. I didn't even dignify that with a response. What hurt the most was how popular the soup was. People kept coming back for more and more. They had to start making it off site. It would be delivered at the strangest times and always in the same white van. They gave me administrative work out of some sort of pity, I think. But that meant I was sometimes in the food bank when everyone else went home for the night or their endless coffee evenings. One of those evenings, I said I would be happy to do the washing up. The group told me it was no trouble, but one of them left the key for me anyway. So I set foot into the kitchen for the first time in months and I was alarmed by how ordinary everything was. And clean too. I don't know what I was expecting, I told myself off for being a silly old biddy and went on to do the washing up. I was nearly done when I found something in one of the bowls. I don't know how they missed it, but I suppose it was only a little thing. You could so easily mistake it for a chicken bone if you didn't know. But before the soup kitchen, I worked as a nurse for 40 years. Human anatomy is not something you forget. I kept the bone. I don't know why. I just tucked it into my pocket and finished the washing, locked up, left the key on my desk and went home. I called an old work friend and showed him a picture of the bone and he confirmed what I already knew. He asked where I'd found it. I lied and said it was fake, a prank. 
I don't know why I lied. The bone is in an envelope in the bureau I inherited from my grandfather. I haven't looked at it since. It's such a small thing. I don't like to think about where it came from, but at the same time, I can't stop. I ended up doing what many people these days do and turned to the internet for help. With some anonymity added, I googled the phrase human bone in food and eventually found a forum discussing a letter I believe you answered a while ago. The people there are quite helpful, although I will be the first to admit that the jargon is mostly beyond me. They told me to write you a letter, and so, here I am. My phone keeps buzzing. I haven't been to the food bank in several days. The group are concerned for my well-being. They want to talk over tea and biscuits. Or maybe I can come to one of their coffee evenings. I suppose my question, Sam, is this. How do I say I'm not interested? From Disgruntled Volunteer. Okay, first things first, you need to get rid of that bone. Bury it at a crossroads or, or, I don't know, lob it into a river. Do something. Do not keep that thing. Who knows what energy is tied to it? My goodness, what were you thinking holding onto it like that? Don't you... And they mentioned a white van. I think I remember the letter they're talking about. A burger van. What if this is to do with scarcity? Gods. What if the scaresmongers aren't the only ones? Well, clearly they're not the only cannibals, but maybe there are other groups. No, no. Other congregations. B called it a sacrament. Whatever else I know, it's worshipful what they're doing. Don't you know what? Sometimes cannibals are just cannibals, but... Oh, hang on. From the stamps here, this was sent before we knew the people in York were cannibals, so I suppose I can't fault you there, but... Get rid of the bone and do not tell them that you aren't interested. Don't do anything that might provoke them. Do not go back there, please. Oh no, it's been so many weeks. Disgruntled volunteer, I hope you're listening. I hope you're alive. I hope you're not... Soup. Gods. You know, I'd really love some soup right now, actually. Not people soup, obviously. Or I hope, obviously. Is it obvious? I don't want to eat people. Huh. Cannibalism bad. Words I'm saying out loud to you right now, apparently. Okay, I'm going to go and rummage through the cupboards and see what I have left to eat. I've not done a proper shop since before New York. I've been having a hard time even considering using public transport now I've travelled via Zap with Oliver. Everything feels so pointless. Why can't I teleport? All I can do is a confusing set of things which combine into garbled nonsense. Summon cats, draw doors, tell people what to do in a way they can't refuse without really meaning to. Make ghosts. Badly. <laughs> Some air I'm shaping up to be. Maybe that's what he meant when he called me after the impossible house imploded or whatever. You know what else is weird? I'm not heard from Scourge. Seemed to me, for a while, he was ringing all the time, leaving cryptic little messages everywhere which seemed specifically designed to keep me up at night. Elusive weirdo. <sighs> nope. Not even insults can entice them, apparently. Okay, faithful listeners, I think I'm going to call it a night. 
do something nice for yourselves before we next speak, faithful listeners. And good night. Box Radio is a podcast created by Pippin A. Remager, distributed by Hanging Sauce Studios under a Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike 4.0 international licence. This episode starred Pippin A. Remager as Sam, and the letter about the soup kitchen was written by Alex Pilebo Richardson. Find more info at hangingsawstudios.com and consider supporting the show on patreon.com forward slash hangingsawstudios for early access to new episodes and shiny bonus content. Spirit Box Radio is recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Get spooky. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.